Alrighty. We want to greet everyone in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're grateful to God for everyone that's here today. Prepared to receive the word of God this morning. One of the most uh, misquoted, well, <laughs> one of the most um, quoted scriptures in the Bible, and yet the unbelieved, most unbelieved scripture in the Bible is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's one of the most well-known scriptures in the Bible, one of the most quoted scriptures in the Bible. And yet it is the, the most unbelieved scripture in the Bible. One of the most well-known, one of the most quoted, and yet the most unbelieved scripture. I think sometimes when people quote that and they think about it, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life, they're thinking from the standpoint that they can believe that Jesus Christ came to this earth. They believe that he was a man that actually lived in history. But don't actually believe the whole story of Jesus Christ. Anybody can believe. How many of you have ever seen Abraham Lincoln? But you believe he existed. You're told what he did in history and, and, and things. How many of you have been to his gravesite? But you didn't have to go to his gravesite to believe he existed. You didn't have to see his birth certificate. You didn't have to know his people personally. You know, <laughs> up until recently, he still had offspring. Yeah, his people still alive, his offspring. Do you all... Um, How many of you have heard of the actor Tom Hanks? How many of you know that she's directly related to him through his wife? His wife's maiden name was Hanks. How many of you know Bill Cosby, his wife? What is her maiden name? Hanks. Same thing. Related to Abraham Lincoln. How many of you know yourself? So how do you know Jesus Christ existed? Because you're related to him. You didn't have to see him. Didn't have to see his birth certificate. You read about his story and history and things like that. So how do you know he existed? And how do you know he still exists? Because what he is currently doing in your life today. 
and you have a personal relationship with him. Does everybody understand that now? So this is one of the most quoted scriptures, and we have a, a, a little bit to cover today, so we're just going to let the Lord do it. This is one of the most quoted scriptures in the Bible, and yet one of the most unbelieved scriptures, because people believe that Jesus Christ existed, but they do not believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And when this is all said and done, when God get done preaching his message to us today, we're going to have a better understanding of why people really don't believe this scripture. Does everybody understand now? The Bible in the book of 1 Corinthians, and we'll go there a little bit later, it talks about the foolishness of God, how the preaching of the cross is foolishness to them that perish. But to us, it's the power of God. And today, that's what we're going to talk about. The foolishness of God. Because believe it or not, there is some foolishness with him. And it's all designed to trip the wise of this world. Of this world, the foolishness of God is all designed to trip the wise. Does everybody understand now? Let me tell you a little story. There's some people down the street from a man from a rich man, some poor people down the street that owed this rich man money. They did not have the means to pay it. And so this man, he sent a messenger to these people, a family, to tell them, pay this man back what you owe. And they killed the first messenger. And then they, he sent another messenger Pay this man what you owe. And they stretched this man out on a gurney some, of t some type and sawed this man in half, alive. And they sent another messenger, this rich man. Pay me what you owe. And they bought this man alive and all. And so this, this rich man, he decided, these people are murderers. They have a spirit of murder about them. They know that they owe me. And yet everyone that I send to them, they kill. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to use that murderous spirit to get them out of debt. They're not going to know it. But I'm going to send my son my only son. And I'm depending on them to do exactly what they've done all throughout history. To kill my messengers. They're not going to know that this is going to get them out of debt. All they know is they don't want to hear about the debt. But I'm dependent on that for their own sake. I'm dependent on them to murder my own son for their own sake. Because that's what I'm going to do to bring about the salvation of mankind. So he sent his son. And true to form, his son couldn't even make 34. They killed him. But his son had disciples. 
that said, you, do you know by killing him, y'all are out of debt? All you got to do is believe that y'all killed him and that got y'all out of debt. And people still said, no, we don't believe it. We'll remain in debt and we'll keep killing the messengers. <laughs> Everybody see the foolishness of God? Now, if you're just hearing this story and, and, and it's, you just wipe the Bible out of your mind, would that make any sense? That a family is, owes a debt and they're killing all the messengers. And so then the, the man who the debt is owed to say, you know what, since y'all like to kill, I'm going to send my son and that's how y'all are going to get out of debt, by killing him. And believing on him that he was sent to get y'all out of debt through y'all's murder. Does that make any sense? And brothers and sisters, that's the reason why this is the most unbelieved scripture in the Bible. People believe the messenger came. They believe he was killed. But they do not make correlation between and by us killing him and believing that he was sent for that purpose. We can be set free of our debt to God. Does anybody see now? That's the reason why it's foolishness to them. That's the reason why God used the foolishness to confound the wise. Everybody understand now? <laughs> Let's go real briefly now. Let's go to the book of Genesis. The 22nd chapter. We're just going to show you all three instances in this Bible where God used foolishness to establish our faith. I tell you, when you come to God, when, when, if anybody gets saved, they have to really believe in God. They have to really have faith in God because nothing God does makes sense to the carnal mind. You really have to have faith. Does everybody understand that? See, I, what's done happened is the Bible and got old. And so something that's old, okay, yeah, I accept it. People and got used to it. They read scriptures. They've heard the stories, and because they've gotten familiar with it and have heard it for years and years and years, they really think that they believe it. No, you're just familiar with it. It's not shocking your system anymore. It's just like uh, years ago when them boys in Columbine walked into that school with those rifles and killed those, their, their classmates. That was unbelievable to America because things like that hadn't happened. But now, school shootings happen all the time. That's how they're even making news now. It's got to happen in your area for you to know about it. You know why? Because people's consciousness have been seared to it. And that's the way people are towards the Bible. 
They read these stories, oh yeah, I heard that before. Yeah, I understand. But you don't believe it. You're just familiar with it. And so then God have to come up with different ways to prove you really don't believe what's written. <laughs> Does everybody understand now? So the first story we're going to talk about here is good old Abraham. Everybody understand? Let's start reading now at verse 1. Is everybody there? The 22nd chapter of the book of Genesis. Let's start reading at verse 1. It says, and it came to pass after these things that God did do what? What did he do now? He tested Abraham. And said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I. And he said, Take now thy son, thine what? What kind of son? And just in case Ishmael done got raggedy, I'm going to say his name. Isaac. Whom thou what? Now you're digging the knife in. You, you remember that boy yesterday that stole them cookies? Yeah, take him and kill him. No. Take your son, your only son. Not only your only son, but the one who you love. And do what? Take him to the ice cream parlor? And do what? And get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. Everybody see that? Everybody see? Now I'm telling you, we have to think like these people thought in the Bible. Let's put ourselves there. Abraham was a prophet. And he had his own congregation. Let's imagine that church meeting. Hey, brothers and sisters, how y'all doing this morning? I say, how y'all doing this morning? All right, so anyway, God gave me a commission to fulfill. See that little boy sitting up there? Yeah, God told me to kill him. Well, wait a minute, Pastor Abraham. I thought you said this was the seed. This was the promised one. Yeah, but you know, I, I don't know about all of that. I, I, I can only follow what God told me to do. And God is telling me to kill my son. <laughs> Everybody see the foolishness of God now? How many people would stay and remain a part of a church where a prophet is saying God told him to kill his son? Everybody understand now? So we, we see where God is going with the, his foolishness? But see, we done got so familiar with this story, we ain't thinking about that. Why? Because we know the outcome. <laughs> but nobody's thinking about what the poor congregation went through. Nobody's thinking about the faith of Abraham. That he was just 
foolish enough to obey God, regardless of what it looked like. Didn't care what anybody had to say about it. I'm going to kill this boy. Everybody see now. So let's see. Abraham, what's the next scripture say? And Abraham rose up and cried. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place which God had told him. Everybody see that now? So y'all see the determination of Abraham. Let's go ahead and keep reading. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship. Everybody see that? Why did he say worship? Because he understood there is no such thing as worship without a sacrifice. There is no such thing as worship without faith. We will go and worship and do what? Come again to you. Why? Because God, Abraham believed God. He understood, even if if I have to kill this boy, God's going to raise him up again. But listen, he was still going to have to kill him. He wasn't going to have to, he wasn't going to play about it. He wasn't going to tap him with the knife and say, just play dead. Play dead. Does everybody see now? Let's go ahead and keep reading. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and did what now? Laid it up on who? Now let me just stop right here. The reason why Abraham is called the father of faith is not because he had tremendous faith. It's because he acted out exactly what God did with his son. This is a picture that wood being laid on the back of Isaac is a picture of Jesus Christ bearing his own cross that he was going to be killed upon. That's the reason why Abraham is called the father of faith, because he demonstrated exactly what God would do with his own son. So who does Ishmael represent? Adam. Isaac represented Jesus Christ. Does everybody understand now? Let's think about it. Let's think about the the parallel there. There was no way in the world Isaac was supposed to be born. His mother was already past childbearing. Abraham was already up there in age. There was no way in the world Isaac was supposed to be born. So we know that it was a miracle that God did for Isaac to get here. The same way Jesus Christ was born. There was no way in the world he was supposed to be born to a woman that had never slept with a man. That's the reason why Abraham is called the father of faith. He's the father of our faith. In other words, he demonstrated that he loved God more than he loved his own flesh and blood. And he understood this sacrifice for my family and for the people of the world is more important than how I feel. Does everybody see that now? So let's go and keep reading. It says, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife 
And they went, both of them, together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood. <laughs> but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? Hey, you got everything but one thing. Now, I saw you put that knife in your little pocket there. Everybody see that? <laughs> and do you know that's the reason why Isaac was blessed as well? Because he didn't take off running? His daddy was already an old man. Isaac was about 13 or 14 years old. He could have took off running. But you know what? He believed in his daddy. He already knew I'm the child of promise. He already knew these tribes are going to come out of me. Out of me. He already knew that. So because he believed in his daddy, he was willing to go through that and suffer and be killed. Now here's what I want you to see. At this time, Isaac did not have the relationship with God that Abraham had. So you, guess who Isaac had to believe? His daddy. Isaac had to believe his daddy's relationship with God. So when he asked the question, I see the wood, I see all that, but where's the burnt offering? He didn't think to himself, well, look, if, if, if you're about to do what I think you're about to do, I'm going to have to hear from God myself about this, because you're old. You might be losing your mind. This ain't done. Does everybody understand that? When did Jehovah have ever call for a child to be killed? When did he ever promote the murder of children, especially obedient children? Never. Never been done before. Never has God called for that. But you know what? Isaac trusted in the relationship that Abraham had with God. And brothers and sisters, you're going to have to do the same. Do they understand that now? God ain't going to give everybody a revelation about everything. The revelation is talking now. Everybody see? But when you got Ishmael's around that want God to prove, you're going to have to tell me that and then I'll accept it. God won't tell you that. Does everybody understand that now? Let's go ahead and keep reading. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together and they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son. Everybody see that? I want you to picture that in your mind. The Bible says that he bound Isaac, his son. How did that happen? Isaac being a young, strong man. How did that happen? He submitted. He surrendered. Does everybody understand? Does everybody understand why he bound Isaac? He knew Isaac was going along with it. Why did he bound him? <laughs> 
Because I want to, when I raise this knife up to strike you, I don't want you to flinch. I want to get you exactly where I need to get you so you can die as quickly as possible. No, I don't think you're going to run because if you were going to run, you'd have been done that. But I want you to lay just right on this altar. So that when I raise this knife up to strike you with it, you don't flinch and then I have to strike you again. I want to get you dead in your heart, Isaac. I don't want to miss. And I know by nature people flinch. And I don't want you to do that. Now listen, brothers and sisters, that's exactly the way God does us. He binds us with his word. Because he wants a sacrifice. And he don't want people flinching and him missing. He wants us to crucify our flesh quickly. Why? Because if he missed and he got to strike you again. In other words, if you got to keep going around the same circles because you're not crucifying your flesh, after a while it's going to start hurting. Just let it hurt one time. Receive God's word the first time. But the reason why living for Christ is so hard for some people because they flinching all the time. They live their life on that altar, never dying. Just getting stabbed. Oh, see, you got me in the stomach. Now, wait a minute. Nobody told me it was going, what's, what's going on here? <laughs> Everybody see that? And what's that knife? It's the word of God. Let it prick your heart, brothers and sisters. Everybody see now? Verse 9, and they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there, and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the, on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand, and took the knife to do what? To do what now? In other words, he had it up in the air like this. He had it up in the air like this. And because he loved his son, he wanted to get it over with as quickly as possible. Let's hurry up and kill you, Isaac. Do you know that is God's intention for us? When he brings his word, we hurry up and die to flesh. We hurry up and die to flesh. That is the point. Does everybody see now? Look what that says. Verse 11. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know Everybody see that? What? That thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. So we see the test here, don't we? Not only are you willing to kill your son, 
because I told you to. But you're willing to have the reputation for being a child killer. And you're willing to tell people, I told you to do it. Everybody see you. And people can't see me. Most of them don't even believe I exist. So, of course, they're going to write it off as a fathom of your imagination. But you know what? That's the reason why I'm going to bless you. Does everybody understand now? Look what it says. Verse 13, and Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, and behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. Everybody see that now? Now, what is sad about this is Abraham's (laughs) people have already left. Abraham, Pastor Abraham, you crazy. I don't believe that whatsoever. And they left before they saw the ram. Do you see the foolishness of God now? God always has a way to smoke out unbelievers. John 3.16. Does everybody understand? The most quoted, but the most unbelieved. Because it's just hard to believe that God would tell a man to kill his own son. Except he did. Does everybody see now? So the first foolishness of God is the child killing God. The child sacrificing God. Does everybody understand that now? Now let's go look at the second foolishness. Let's go to the first chapter of the book of Matthew. We're going to talk about this in a way most of us have not thought about. I I know I haven't. The first chapter of the book of Matthew, and we're going to start reading at verse 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, in other words, in this manner. When as his mother, Mary, was a spouse to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of who? Now, let me just stop here. For those of us that think that there are three gods in one, there are not three gods. There are not three persons in one. There is one God. For those of us that say, well, yeah, that is, that, that is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. How many of us have heard that? God the Father. Well, wait a minute. Let's read this again. She was found with child of who? Of who? Wait a minute. I thought God was his daddy. God the Father. I thought God the Father was his daddy. 
He is, because he is the Holy Ghost. Does everybody understand that now? There are not three gods. There is one God. You think God's going to let somebody sit on side of him and be called the Holy Ghost? Well, what is he? <laughs> he ain't going to share his glory with anybody. If he's the Holy Ghost, then who is God? Holy Ghost square? The Holy of Holies ghosts? <laughs> Does everybody understand that? They're all the same, brothers and sisters. They're all the same. Does everybody understand that now? Let's look at what that says. Verse 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived of in her is of who now? And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. So what's the foolishness of this? Let's go back and let's read. Verse 18 and 19. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother, Mary, was a spouse to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then, G then Joseph who? Then Joseph who? So what is the second foolishness? God the adulterer. He took another man's wife and got her pregnant. And then told the man, and don't you sleep with her until she have my child. Everybody see now? Do you see the foolishness of God? You think there weren't other virgins around that didn't have a man? Mary had a whole husband. <laughs> Does everybody see now? She had a whole husband. Why did God want to interrupt that? Look, I see y'all. Y'all working things out and y'all going to be a good. I'm not going to mess with y'all like that. And you know what God did? He didn't even tell Mary about the plan. He didn't say, look, I'm about to get you pregnant. You ready? No, he told her, you pregnant. I slept with you while you were asleep. Does everybody see that? That's a bold God, isn't he? He didn't sit down and counsel with her about it. Look, I'm going to get you pregnant. I know you don't understand, but I'm going to get you. I know you married to Joseph. That's your husband and stuff, but... No, Mary, you pregnant. Joseph, she pregnant by me. Don't you sleep with her until she have my baby. And this is what you're going to name my baby. And you're going to have to work to take care of my child. 
<laughs> now, don't you divorce her. Don't you put her away now. She's still a good woman. <laughs> now, what if you had heard that story just naturally? So, I know what I think. All y'all need to be shot. Joseph, you first. Does everybody understand that? <laughs> but do you see the foolishness of God? People are going to stand before God and say, Lord, I believe. I tr-. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You know why? Because you did not have the ability to even put yourself back in that time. To really think about what was going on. Did you ever think I got a married woman pregnant? So how could you believe then? How could you believe in me if you have a hard time with that concept? No, you were just familiar with the Bible. You didn't believe it. You were just familiar with it. You've heard the story so many times till the stuff about it goes right over your head. How many of you have ever thought about that? That God got a married woman pregnant. Everybody see now. So you see, when, you, when we go and we present the, the gospel, this story, to unbelievers, to people, you present this to somebody that ain't ever heard it, they got to think, wait a minute, that don't... So it's wrong for me to commit adultery, but God get to? Yeah, yeah, that's, you know, that's his prerogative. He does what he want to do. So I hope this, I hope this don't offend you. I mean, I'm saved. It, it saved my life. If you'd have just known how bad I was. <laughs> That's proof. Does everybody understand that? That adultery worked. <laughs> Does everybody see now? Now, let's go to the sixth chapter of the book of John. Let's go look at one last piece of foolishness. We're going to start reading at verse 53. It says, Then Jesus said unto, unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Except you eat the flesh Everybody see that? The flesh of the Son of Man. And drink his blood. Ye have no life. And you're not even alive. Everybody see? Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed and my blood is drink indeed. What is he saying? My flesh is good for food. 
and my blood is good for drink. It'll quench your thirst. So, see, now we have to think about Pastor Jesus. On that side of the revelation, there was none. All he's doing is getting up and telling the people, his congregation, hey, y'all want eternal life? Here, come take some chunks out of this and eat it. Let's drain my blood and you drink it. What would we call that? A cult. I'm telling you, we have to think the way those people were, it was being presented to them at that time. Now we know the revelation. But they did not. They did not. Does everybody understand now? And see, this is almost a shame today. Because people are living off of current revelation. They understand what Jesus Christ meant now. But the problem is they still don't believe in him. If they had been back then, when he first got up and said what he said, they would have left as well. Does everybody understand? And oftentimes, Jesus Christ spoke things like this to smoke out unbelievers. Hold your spot there. Let's go. Well, let's keep reading here. Then we'll get to that. Verse 56. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. As the living Father hath sent me and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. Everybody see that? These things said he where? Where at now? In the church. As he taught in Capernaum. Verse 60. Many therefore of his disciples when they heard this said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, what? Does this offend you? Oh, I, is something raising up on the inside of you? Uh, does everybody see now? <laughs> Not, y'all, just, just hold on a sec. Let me explain it. Look, don't leave. Let me explain it. No. <laughs> is, is that devil stirred up yet? <laughs> Does everybody see that? <laughs> Verse 62. What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profit is nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Now, he's trying to give them just a little hint. I'm talking about the word, y'all. My flesh is the word. But see, they're already offended. So they couldn't hear it. And he asked them, does this offend you? He was trying to get them to see. You are offended. So everything I'm going to say after this ain't going to matter. Because you done already tuned me out. 
Verse 64, but there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. Now the Bible says he was talking to his disciples. But all of his disciples weren't brought to him by God. Some of them were just tagging along just to be nosy and see what was going on. And he knew it. And so all throughout his ministry, he talked about things that would be hard for them to hear. They didn't want to believe it. And so all throughout his ministry, he started off with a big ministry. But you see them dropping off little by little, little by little, as he began to teach. Does everybody see now? Let's read verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and did what? Walked no more with him. So they were disciples, brothers and sisters, but according to the 8th chapter of the book of John, they were not disciples indeed. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth. And what, a tr what the truth will do? Make you free. Yeah, a lot of people are disciples, but not indeed. Not indeed. Everybody see now. Verse 67, then, Jesus, then said Jesus unto the twelve, what? Will ye also go away? Everybody see that? Okay, so if y'all ain't going to go away, y'all go chase the ones that's done left. That what he said? No, we smoking them out of here. Does everybody see now? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. So you see, Peter got it. Because he didn't get offended. Your flesh, that's the word of God. The book of Revelation, by the way, says that when we see him in heaven, we're not going to call him Jesus Christ. His name up there is the word of God. Does everybody see To whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Everybody see that? Peter was looking at flesh and blood, Jesus Christ, and saying, we ain't got nobody else to go to. Look, look at what he was saying. We believe in you. That's the reason why God don't come down and talk to everybody. The Bible says, how can you hear without a preacher? So he don't come down and talk to everybody. Some of us got to believe in flesh and blood. Some of us got to be so close to it that we say, no matter what you say, we believe you because we know your history. That's the foolishness of God. Does everybody understand now? Well, I, the Lord's going to have to, and I'm going to tell you, he ain't going to tell you. In fact, he might tell you something just completely opposite of what I said. So that you'll, you won't walk away, you'll run away. Hurry up and leave so we can have some real church. 
Does everybody understand now? That's what God will do for fools. That's wiser than him. <laughs> and then those that remain, they get to see the ram. Does everybody understand that now? So what's the third foolishness of God? Cannibalism. You know, we learned a new thing in church. If we eat each other, Does everybody understand that? Again, you have to think, not according to the revelation that you have now, think they were just hearing this for the first time. All they hearing is, a man is telling me I got to eat him. Now, I know he's been talking about dying, but is that, is that the way you really want to leave him? The foolishness of God. A child killer, an adulterer, and a cannibal. And you better believe it. Everybody see now? <laughs> Let's go real briefly to the first chapter of the book of John. Uh, the second chapter of the book of John. We're going to start reading at verse 23. It says, Now when Jesus, now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, in the feast day, many believed in his name. When, listen, when they saw the miracles which he did. Everybody see that now? It's, it's easy to believe somebody's a man of God when you see signs following him. But look at what it says. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men. Isn't that something? He understood there were some people following him for the wrong reason. After he fed the 5,000 and the 3,000, he told them, you're only following me because of the food that you ate, because of the miracle that you saw. He said, but don't follow me for food. That's going to perish. In other words, don't follow God for what he can do for you. Everybody see? Verse 24, but Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men and needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. In other words, he didn't need for anybody to come to him and tell him about Brother John. Brother John's a good person. Let him keep following you. He didn't want to hear any of that. He didn't want any recommendations because he already knew all people. Now you think about it. This is at the beginning of his ministry. He knew all people. And so what did he do? I, 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 this half of the group over here, y'all going to have a problem with this. I'm going to let y'all follow me for another year, and then I'm going to preach on it, and y'all going to be gone. And then I'm going to let another little group keep following me, but they're going to have a problem with this, and I'm going to preach on it, and they're going to be gone. And then I'm going to sit everybody else down and tell them what I'm really saying. I'm going to give them the revelation of it. But the revelation ain't meant for unbelievers, brothers and sisters. 
Is everybody seen now? Now, you know why he did it that way? That could seem cruel. But it's a dangerous thing to have people following a ministry with ulterior motives. That's a dangerous thing. Does everybody see now? And so God had a way to smoke people out. Let's go now to this last set of scriptures. Let's go to the first chapter of 1 Corinthians. Now, this, and I'm sure most of you have read this before, this should make more sense to us. The first chapter of 1 Corinthians. So God the cannibal, he did not mean for people to eat flesh and drink blood. He meant for people to eat his word and to accept the new covenant, which was what his blood represented. But unfortunately, many of his disciples didn't stick around for the revelation. Does everybody understand now? Is everybody there? The first chapter of 1 Corinthians. We're going to start reading at verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. Everybody see that? I like the way this is worded. The preaching of the cross is to them that do what? What is it? Foolishness. Notice it doesn't say the preaching of the cross is foolishness and that's what causes them to perish. He said, the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. In other words, people are alive today perishing. The perishing becomes before the unbelief. From the beginning of time, God knew who belonged to him and who didn't. Does everybody understand that now? From the beginning of time, God knew who belonged to him and who didn't. And so from the beginning of time, his method have always been foolishness. Let me present some foolishness to weed out what belongs to me and what doesn't. Does everybody understand that now? Look at what it says. But unto us, which are what? Saved, it is the power of God. I will gladly accept God, the child killer. I will gladly accept God, the adulterer. And I will more than gladly accept God, the cannibal. And I'm going to stick around long enough to get the revelation of all of it. I don't care if it's real or not. I don't care about if it's even a revelation. If God said it, that's what's going to happen. Because who else can make themselves another God and serve him? If you got to make him, he ain't no good. <laughs> Does everybody? What in us? And, and Peter said it right. Where are we going to go? Oh, you can carve yourself out a piece of wood and put a smiley face on it. It ain't going to do nothing for you. 
Why? Because on mad day, after you done had a bad day at work, are you going to see a smile and smile back? and say, Well, thank you, because I was having a bad day. No, let me turn you around to the wall, because you ain't helping out at all. I could have made a piece of furniture out of you. <laughs> Does everybody understand now? <laughs> Let's go ahead and keep reading. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Everybody see that? He destroys the wisdom of the wise. Everybody see? Verse 20, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Everybody see that now? I'm telling you, ain't nobody going to outthink God. Not when he's the one told you what year you were going to be born before you knew yourself. <laughs> Does everybody understand now? Let's go ahead and keep reading. Verse 21. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It was their own wisdom that caused them not to know God. What was it? I cannot serve a God that advocates killing children. I can't serve a God that advocates adultery. I can't serve a God that advocates cannibalism of human flesh. Everybody see now? And so by that wisdom... People don't know God. By their own wisdom, what they already got in their own minds. Listen, brothers and sisters, we're right back in the Garden of Eden with the knowledge of the tree, with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Their own knowledge is what separates them from God. Everybody see that? How many of you? were ever asked a question. And before the person could even finish asking the question, you already had the answer. You told them the answer. Except they had to say, hold on a second. That's not what I'm talking about. Let me, let me finish first. So who was the fool? And that's the way people live their Christian life. God isn't even finished talking. But they already know where he's going. I know where you're going with that. Except you don't know. But thank you for displaying your foolishness. That's the reason why God's questions are a million miles long. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? Because he don't expect anybody to jump in. Just wait and let me finish. Does everybody see now? Verse 21, for after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews, a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. So you got two types of people outside of Christianity that tries to follow God. The people who are just there to see the signs and wonders and all of the stuff that God is doing in the church. 
And then those that are studying the Bible just to try to find wisdom in it. Those that bring along their own worldly wisdom. God says, I confound them both. Because the people that are seeking out that sign won't see it. Jonah is your sign. Does everybody understand that? I was crucified. I was buried. I was in the ground for three days. And I rose up from the dead. That's your sign. And if you're looking to find God behind your crazy wisdom, you're going to miss it. Because it ain't going to never jive with what's going on in society today. We know God is strictly against killing children. (laughs) But yet, (laughs) our faith is based on it. You see, you have to, how you have to be a fool for God? You have to say, God, I don't know nothing. I don't know what killer. I don't even know what a child is. I don't know that's wrong. Does everybody understand now? <laughs> but when you get these folks, well, the killing is this. and the, the, No, just take it the way it is. Does everybody understand that? Let's go ahead and keep reading. But unto them which are what? But unto them which are what now? Both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. He's both of them. You get to see the power and the wisdom when you take away your own foolish wisdom. Let's go ahead and keep reading. Verse 25. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. Everybody see that? The foolishness of God is wiser than men. Everybody see that? Now you imagine God from the beginning of time. He set some stuff in order to make stuff just look foolish to all mankind. You know, I had a dear friend of mine when I was in the the military. His name was Bruce Smith. He was a Muslim, and he and I, we would talk, because, you know, at one point he was a Christian. He said, I just cannot, I don't understand. Why didn't God, why would he, okay, so God is God, right? How many of us believe God is God? Do you know God could have just said it to say, everybody that come up here and talk in this microphone, no matter how wicked you are, you're going to be saved. The whole world would line up. The whole world, that's easy. That's easy. All I got to do is talk to Mike and I'll be saved. That's easy. But his, what made him stumble? He said, you know, for years I just couldn't, I couldn't wrap my mind around why God would send his own son to die and say this is how people get saved. Why not choose an easier way? I'll tell you why. Because he wants the unbelievers to be smoked out. Does everybody understand that now? He wanted to present foolishness so that he'll know you really believe. Anybody can believe the easy stuff, the stuff that makes sense. But see, then it wouldn't be faith. But if you believe something that don't make sense, now you can follow me because I'm going to lead you into a lot of stuff that don't make sense. To the natural mind. That's the reason why the carnal mind is the enemy of God. 
The corner mind say, we don't follow cannibals. We don't follow adulterers. And we definitely don't follow child killers. And the spiritual mind say, well, you're held bound. You held bound. <laughs> Does everybody understand now? Verse 26, for ye, see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Everybody see that? Does anybody know what that word, what that word weak things mean? Is is one word in the Greek. It means morally sick. That word weak things that we just read there, it means morally sick. So let's read that the way it reads. And God have chosen morally sick things of the world to confound things which are mighty. So let's think about this. We serve a God that tell us not to kill, but he's a killer. We serve a God that tell us not to commit adultery, but he did it. We serve a God that tells us the punishment for eating flesh, human flesh, but yet he preached it. And he used that. Does everybody understand that? Verse 28. And base things of the world and things which are despised. Everybody see that? Is adultery despised? Is killing children despised? Is eating human flesh despised? Look at what that says. And basing things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen. Everybody see that? Yeah, and things which are not to bring to not things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. Everybody see now. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Everybody see that now. Let's go down to verse 14, uh, chapter 2, verse 14. It says, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Why? For they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually what? Everybody see that? 
I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, uh, when we come to God, we better act like we don't know anything. Because if we know one thing, God's going to preach something one day (laughs) to smoke us out. When we come to God, let's not know anything. Does everybody understand that now? Something I want to read that the Lord told me to tell you all this morning before we close. He said, God bless you all who have stayed to the end, trusting that I'm a man of God. Because you have stayed to see the other side of the foolishness of God. In this matter, your eyes will see the glorious things that God will use me to do in this earth. Everybody see now. All right, Sister Thomas, Brother Thomas, y'all come on up. Come on up here, Sister. All right, so we're going to finish what the Lord started earlier last week for our dear sister, all right? Let me lay your hands on your womb. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command this womb to bring forth living children. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command this womb to bring forth living children. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command this womb to bring forth living children. Amen. You sisters that want to have a baby someday, you stand up. I say, you sisters that want to have a baby, stand up. Lay your left hand across your, the bottom of your stomach. And raise your right hand to God. And repeat after me. Sister Jones, stand up. Repeat after me. I command my womb in the name of Jesus Christ. To bring forth living children. I command my womb. In the name of Jesus Christ. To bring forth living children. I command my womb. In the name of Jesus Christ. To bring forth living children. We break the spell of death. We break the spell of corruption, and we accept your word. Amen.
thank God for you all that are here. And we look forward to all the things that God is going to do. Amen. God bless you all. We'll see you all a little later. That's why you need to help me. That's a blessing, ain't it? You still going? Huh? No, just to make sure that's recording. All right, Brother Thomas and Brother Linda, y'all come on up. So these brothers, you elders, come on up. These brothers, God have, y'all stand one on one, one on the other. These brothers, God have promoted in the kingdom of God to be a deacon and an elder in this ministry. And uh, I, I have confidence in them that they will walk out the things that God wants them to walk out in this ministry that they will fulfill their purpose and their destiny, and that they will be great leaders to those others who are in this ministry to be able to lead in a way and to be an example to make the word come alive before the eyes of people. So you brothers lay hands on them as I pray. Dear Heavenly Father, your word talks about being chosen and being called. And Lord, right now we present these two brothers to you as your chosen and your called, O oh God. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will rest upon them to give them wisdom, to give them understanding, Lord, for what they have been chosen and called to do in your kingdom. And God, I pray that in the times where they come to a crossroad, that you will lead and guide them, Lord, to make the right decisions, Lord. Lord, I pray that you will open up their understanding even more to be able to receive your word, Lord, to follow who you've placed over them, O oh God, and to be connected to you, O oh God, in a way that's supernatural. God, I pray that you will give them dreams and visions. Lord, I pray that you will help them to be able to walk out the things that you have called them to walk out, O oh God. Lord, I thank you for sending these men to this ministry. And Lord, we pray that their lives will prosper and flourish. Grant them, Lord, the requests of their hearts. And I ask, Lord, that you will walk with them all the days of their life. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right. God bless you all. Thank you all for being here. Thank you all for staying to see the ram. We're looking forward to some more. <laughs> all right. That's all now. We're going to dismiss you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.